Good morning. Our subject this morning is the sovereignty of God in our decisions. I know that making good decisions can be complicated. This morning we're going to make it even more complicated. We're going to look at the whole concept of decision making in light of the sovereignty of God. You may have come here this morning to be enlightened or inspired. You may end up leaving confused. I might accomplish all three, enlightened, inspired, and confused. The study of God is challenging. To prove it, let's go back a few years. Over 160 years ago, on January 7, 1855, a young English pastor rose to preach. Incredibly, he was only 20 years old. His name was Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And this was his introduction for a sermon series on knowing God. I quote, It has been said that the proper study of mankind is man. I believe it is equally true that the proper study of God's elect is God. The proper study of a Christian is the Godhead, the highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy which can ever engage the the attention of a child of God is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God whom he calls his father. There is something exceedingly improving to the mind in the contemplation of the divinity. It is a subject so vast that all our thoughts are lost in its immensity. So deep our pride is drowned in its infinity. Other subjects we can grapple with. In them we feel a kind of self-content and go on our way with the thought, Behold, I am wise. When we come to this master science, finding that our plumb line cannot sound its depth, away with the thought that vain man would be wise. He is like a wild ass's colt, and with solemn exclamation says, I am of yesterday, and know nothing. No subject of contemplation will tend more to humble the mind than thoughts of God. While the subject humbles the mind, it also expands it. He who often thinks of God will have a larger mind than the man who simply plods around this narrow globe. The most excellent study for expanding the soul is the science of Christ and in him crucified. The knowledge of the Godhead in the glorious Trinity, nothing can so enlarge the intellect, nothing so magnify the whole soul of man as a devout, earnest, continued investigation of the great subject of the deity. End quote. And like I said, that was just the introduction. This topic, the sovereignty of God, and our decision-making in light of it, is not going to be easy. So stick with me, and I'm going to try to answer the questions as they arise. For example, let's start by understanding that God does not make decisions. God has already made decisions. Scripture tells us that our prayers were heard and answered before the foundation of the world. Psalm 139 tells us each of our days was ordained before one of them came to be. The Apostle Paul tells us our good deeds have already been laid out before us by God. Now all that is because God is not limited by time. Time is our realm. It's for us. God sees it all at once, knows it all already. He also has what theologians call middle knowledge. Middle knowledge means that God not only knows what's going to happen, 
He also knows what would have happened had, as a result of any action taken or not taken. So fasten your seatbelts. Make sure your seat is in the upright position. Expect a little mental turbulence. Here we go. Because a proper perspective of God will put your mind on a direct collision course between his sovereignty, his perfect will, and the free will of man. God has a perfect will. Man has a free will. And believe it or not, this is not a contradiction. How are we doing so far? (laughs) Naturally, we have questions. For instance, how could God change his decisions if he already knows the future? He'd be constantly conceding what he knew was inevitable. God couldn't change the future because then he'd have to change his mind, right? So how would it be possible for God to change his mind if God is unchanging? The old English word is immutable. And the answer, God doesn't change his mind. He changes our minds. What about the divine paradox? Could God create a stone so heavy that even he couldn't lift it? The answer is, of course, yes. Because all God's attributes are completely unlimited and totally non-contradictory. So, God could definitely create a stone so heavy that he couldn't lift it. And he is wise enough not to do it. The bottom line is God is unlimited by time, knowledge, or understanding. His decisions were created along with everything else in the beginning, in, that, in those first six days. There's no question about it. And there's no question also that his, that his decisions were wise and loving and perfect and the best. Now, I know this is bringing up a lot of questions. And if you think <laughs> all pastors have all the answers, it's because you haven't asked enough questions, like this one. Doesn't God answer prayer? Of course. Doesn't he seem to alter the course of human events? Sure. Haven't we all seen answers when we wanted to change the way things were going? Yes, absolutely. Well, doesn't that mean that God alters his will? So when he changes things, doesn't that mean he's changed his mind? And the simple reason, answer is no, and for a lot of reasons. Remember, God exists outside of time. We exist in what is called linear time, time with a past, a present, and a future. That's for our world, not for God in his. Look at it this way. Making a decision beforehand doesn't necessarily mean you reveal it right away or implement it immediately. Your prayer was heard and answered before the foundation of the world. God has already decided, but often he may not have revealed his decision. We know that, or at least we should, but we still have questions. It isn't that we don't believe. It's that we don't understand. And I guess we're just going to have to live with it when we get to heaven one day in eternity, we'll know it all. And lastly, and this is just one remaining question, just one, consider this. If all God's decisions are perfect, and they were all made before the foundation of the world, 
Why in the world should we bother trying to make decisions at all? Isn't everything just going to happen? Are we all just destined to live a life determined by fate? And the answer, again, is no. And for starters, I would point to a multitude of scriptures revealing that God encourages wisdom, rewards it, frequently describes the the consequences of making good decisions. Good decisions, good consequences from good decisions, bad consequences from bad decisions. And scripture gives many examples of excellent decision-making. So if we don't try to make good decisions, we would be ignoring our Bibles. And not only that, think about this. How did God put us together in the first place? How were we created? Because if God wanted us to be a robot, why would he require and reward faith, which is the evidence of things unseen? Why would he give us a free will if he never intended for us to use it? If we were made in his image, why would we not use our will, which he made part of our very nature? Looks to me like it's a requirement, a divine expectation that we make the best decisions possible. And let's go a little further. Let's talk a little bit about time. Like I said, we all exist in linear time. I've explained this. Our existence in this present age, everybody here, all of you, every one of you has a past, is sitting here right now in the present, and we all have a future. Well, have you ever thought about the fact that Christianity is the only religion in the world that deals almost exclusively with the present and the future? God wants us always to be looking ahead. We're to be like the Apostle Paul who talked about forgetting the past and and pressing on. Almost every aspect of the Christian life centers on the future. What a blessing that is. If you don't like your past or your present, Christianity is for you. What a wonderful Assurance, prayer is all about the future. Hope is all about the future. Love, especially when we we plan for it or seek it, is all about the future. Sometimes the near future, a couple of minutes from now. Sometimes the distant future, a couple of decades from now. All decisions are about the future. The application of wisdom is always about the future, which brings us right back to where we started, two seemingly contradictory statements. We need to make godly decisions, and God created all decisions everywhere and for all time in the beginning. The only possible answer is that the goal of our decision-making, human decision-making, within the framework of linear time, is to come as close as possible to what God wants. So now let's consider that. We know how God made decisions. How should we? What do we have to work with? Well, I like to point out that there are three levels of intellectual capability in the Bible. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge, that's knowing what things are. Putting labels on things. This is this. That's that. He's a man. She's a woman. In and of itself, knowledge is the least on the list. It's essential. It's helpful, definitely, but it's still number three. Okay. Number two, there's understanding, which is knowing how things work. 
Understanding requires learning and experience. It, requires, it considers action and reaction. It considers consequences. Most of us, what we do every day is in this realm. <clears throat> be nice to people, they'll be nice to you. You want to have friends, be a friend. You want to get ahead, work hard. Be, <laughs> be good to everybody on the way up because you're going to meet them all on the way down. If you want to be well off, spend less and save more. Action, reaction, action, reaction, understanding. And as important as it is to understand, and it is vital, it is still only number two, because the highest, the most important intellectual capacity is wisdom, knowing what to do and actually doing it, and it is entirely future-oriented. And what a comfort to know that that all mental capability comes from God. Proverbs 2, 6 through 8. For the Lord give wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects, protects the way of his faithful ones. Now, if you can get your arms around that, it is tremendously exciting. God, who loves you more than you will ever comprehend, is in complete control. So there's a wonderful old hymn, I know who holds the future and I know he holds my hand. So, And even though God controls the future, he wants you to make good plans. He controls the future, you still have to plan it. And this is where it gets really exciting. If you're bored with Christianity, you don't understand it. Because the remainder of your life no matter how much of it remains or how little of it remains, is consider it as a huge book, an autobiography, really, yet to be written, with a wonderful, exciting conclusion. That is, it's an exciting conclusion if you believe. Heaven's there, eternal bliss is there, a joyous reunion with everybody that's gone before you. In the book of your life, you get to choose which conclusion you want. Heavenly or horrendous? Almost equally as exciting is the fact that all of the intervening pages, the ones between now and the ones between now and the end, are blank. Godly wisdom from you, or the lack of it, will fill them in. Which brings us to our second subject. our decision-making in light of the sovereignty of God. And what I'm going to do now, I'm going to offer you some suggestions. Like the Apostle Paul, I'm telling you in advance that these are my opinion. They are of me, not necessarily of the Lord, but they're based on godly principles and Scripture. Just remember they're suggestions. They're not sacred by any wild stretch of the imagination. As we start, I'm going to assume that you want your decisions to be in line with the decisions God has already made. You want your decisions to be wise and just and loving. That's the goal. So let's talk about the process. How should we approach godly decision-making? First, relax. I mean it, really. Relax. There usually isn't a pressing deadline. You want the decision to be right, not right now. And decisions made in anger or under stress or under pressure usually aren't wise. Psalm 9-9, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, 
a stronghold in the times of trouble, God is right there with you. Ever thought about this? You and Jesus are on a first-name basis. How cool is that? So take some time. Make some time. Take some time. And think about it. Don't worry about it. Take a big tablespoon of the piece that passes understanding. You'll have a whole lot more clarity and a whole lot more of mental and spiritual strength if you remain calm. God has made ice cream. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Okay, second, pray. If you want to emulate the decisions of God, you need the mind of Christ. So always keep a prayer loaded and ready to go. Ephesians 6.18. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Do this in mind. Keep this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. As you pray... Would you seek out some scriptures that, ha- that speak to your decision? Try to make a decision that is biblically based. <laughs> God is good with directions. Who do you think drew the map? I'm just a little joke, I thought. Third, be logical. Isaiah 11.3. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. Be sure to deal with facts, more facts, and fewer opinions. Find out as much as you can. Take your time. Do your homework. Because opinions change. Facts don't. The wonderful sage of our time, Oprah Winfrey, says, know better, do better. And she's right. You know, I think it's wrong. I think it's almost sinful to make a decision in ignorance when facts are available. We worship a God of logic and order. Let's imitate him. Fourth, Consider all options. Try to look forward. If you were to make a certain decision, what would the results look like? What would be the best outcome? What would be the worst outcome? Do that for every option. Walk around in the future a little bit and see if you like what you see. And by the way, don't think too much about the worst that could possibly happen. Remember, you're assured that God is going to be with you all the time. I wouldn't be foolish, but always be faithful. And actually, as a Christian, there's no such thing as a worst-case scenario. Think about it. God is with you all the time. There is no worst-case scenario. Okay, fifth, be calm. Matthew 6.34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So try to look at your decision objectively. Maybe you should look at it or consider your decision as though it were someone else's problem. If someone else was facing the same thing you're facing, what would you tell them? I don't think you'd be hysterical when you told them what to do. You'd be calm. You would ask them to carefully think about it. You would do that for them. Do the same for you. Sixth, get advice. Proverbs eleven fourteen. For lack of guidance, a nation falls. Victory is won through many advisors. This verse is repeated time after time in Proverbs, by the way, almost word for word. It's that important. Just about everyone you know is willing to help you. Ask them. Listen to them. Remember Pastor Dave's sermon last week that the good life is a community project? It's the same for decision-making. Listen to people, especially Christians. You don't have to do everything they say. Some advice might be wrong. Fine, you be the judge. And one last thing, if it's a big decision, 
please talk with your pastor. Talk to Pastor Dave. Talk to Pastor Scott. This church is blessed with godly spiritual leadership. It's more important to listen to people who know God intimately, perhaps more important than the advice that you might receive from a so-called expert. Look at it this way. God is the source of all truth. Our pastors here know God very well. Talk with them. Listen to them. And seventh, finally, once you decide what to do, do it. Get started. James 2.18, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Peter Marshall said it, small deeds done are better than great deeds planned. Or as Ben Franklin said, and as old as I am, even I did not personally hear him say this, well done is better than well said. And by the way, this is my favorite picture of Ben. (laughs) Now, in conclusion, oh my, don't you just love those words. In conclusion, I have to ask you about the most important decision you will make this. What have you done with Jesus Christ? You personally, have you surrendered to him? Are you living for him? Are you trusting in him? Have you? Will you? My deepest desire is that you would write the name of Jesus Christ on the last page of the book of your life. Make him your conclusion. Make him your happy ending. And if you do, then all of the remaining pages of your life, all of the pages between now and then, will be full of love and forgiveness and grace and every other spiritual blessing. There will be problems, sure. But each page of your life will lead you closer and closer to Jesus and prepare you ever more thoroughly for heaven. Now, perhaps you're here this morning... And this is all new. And if so, I want you to consider a decision to become a Christian. Not a cultural Christian. All that means is you're not Jewish or Islamic. I mean for you to become an actual Christian, to surrender to Jesus Christ. And if that's you, if you're serious about considering Christianity, then would you please keep today's bulletin insert with the suggestions about decision-making? Use them. Use them to consider the claims of Jesus Christ on your life. Relax. Pray however you can. Be logical and open-minded about Christianity. Be calm as you think about it. Talk with someone like Pastor Dave or Pastor Scott here at Crosspoint. Consider Jesus Christ. And if you decide that you want to become a Christian, then by all means, do it! A shade sooner than instantly would be good. Let's pray. Lord, every one of us has decisions to make, even today. Some small, some huge. Some mundane, some life-changing. And the most life-changing decision of all is our choice whether or not to surrender to Jesus Christ. He holds the future. And if we are his, he will lovingly hold us in the palm of his nail-pierced hand. Each of us must choose 
Lord, let each decision be eternally correct. We pray for this blessing in Jesus' name and for his glory only. Amen.